Guess what? If somebody, if somebody has been trained on how to work that phone, they will do stuff and you'll be like, how you make something come up on the, on the, on the screen, on the ceiling? I didn't know my phone could do that. You mean your phone is a projector too? Like there's so many things that you don't know about something that you carry every day. You got your phone with you all day, all night, but you haven't been trained on the usage of it. Make sense? It's the same thing in the spirit. For my next level, guess what? As anointed as I am, I need Apostle Ferguson. I need Apostle Brown. Because I don't know what's happening at the next level. Somebody has to even train your leader. Y'all don't like that. Y'all are like, oh, you're anointed. No, but I need to be trained. I have to sit my behind down and say, what do I do next? How do I handle this? What do I do about that? When that happens, how do I fight that? What kind of demon is that? What kind of spirit is that? How do I come up against that? And you know what they'll tell me? You ain't even ready for that. When it happens, call me. Y'all don't even like that. Because you make the pastor to God. I don't know it all. Now, if I have to submit myself and humble myself without without being stubborn to somebody else everybody who's underneath me has to do the same thing it's stubbornness is something that you have to daily fight you gotta come after that booger and you wanna know how you know it's there let somebody tell you a truth the only way, the only way your stubbornness is going to show is when somebody has to confront you. you ever, we, we're going to talk about it in a couple minutes if, if we get to it. Lord, I wish I had another Sunday and Tuesday on this, but we don't have time for it. Um, ha, ha, have you ever had a friend or somebody who just said, came, look, child, this is what the Bible says. This is what the Word says. You can do whatever you want to do with it, but this is what the Word says, and you are out of order. Anybody have a friend like that? I, maybe nope, like two of us. And, okay. Now, when they, when they come to you like that, you want to know how you can see how stubborn you are? When they don't just give you sound advice, but give you God advice. And how do you respond to them when they tell you what the Bible says versus what they say? When they say, well, I just feel you like whatever, feel what you're feeling. But when they say, the Bible, look, let me show you the Bible. Go to Mark 5 and 2. The Bible says, when they do that kind of joking to you, how do you feel to that kind of talking to? See, that's when you realize that somebody's really in covenant with you because they won't just leave you to what you feel or what they feel. But if the Bible is the end result of our conversation, then the end result is you can do what you want, but you got to take that up with God. I don't want him to deal with you because if he deals with you, it's going to affect me. Then it's going to affect us. But if it affects us, then guess what? You could have been saved by this. Don't let God deal with you when you say, I didn't know. Woo! Okay, I'm okay. All right. And this is where you need to pray for God to give you godly friends. You talking with JoJo and BB and them around the water cooler? What you think? You cute. You should go ahead and do that. Go after him. He cute. He fine. You need somebody to say, "Is he saved?" Y'all don't like that. See, look, look at look at the stubbornness. That old stiff neck. Is he saved? Is she saved? Forget how cute she is. She can be cute and be a devil. He can be cute and rip you apart in a month. And then you won't even want to come out the house no more. Your self-esteem be shot. He'll take every part of you and rush you out. Come on. See, this is what we don't want. You need to pray that God gives you saved friends. 
and not just saved because they can be saved and still unequally yoked. You need somebody who's saved and lives by the word of God. That won't try to yes, yes you to death because they, they just want to be in the circle. They have to be able to give you sound counsel based on the word. This is why you and your friends ought to be reading the Bible together. Y'all quiet, y'all don't like that. Y'all look at you. I mean, we can't go to movies. You can go, <laughs> you can go to the movies, but you, there ought to be a common denominator of God in this thing. If it's not a common denominator of God in this thing, guess what? Then eventually our, our flesh is going to get out of control. You want, you, you want to love somebody and date somebody? Tell them to come read the word. We're going we're gonna to go sit at Denny's and read the Bible. Y'all don't like that. Look at y'all. Look at, see, look at all. I wish I could. I, I'm going to put a camera up this way and tape y'all's faces. And every, every time when I say something like that, I'm going to push the button so it can go clap, snapshot y'all. See y'all face. Y'all be giving the craziest like faces like. Like, take that joker, take that joker. Like, oh, we're going to go someplace special. We're going to go someplace special. And we're going to do something even more special. He's going to be like, whoa. <laughs> That's right. It's going to be special. And I got something special I'm bringing. He's going to be like, what is this? I want you to meet me at the Waffle House. What? And then you get there and come in with your Bible under your arm. I want to come and talk to you a couple minutes. We're going to go to Psalm first. Come sit right here next to me. Come on, sit, sit right here. Sit, sit, sit. Let's get close. Come on. Let's start with Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of ungodly. Who are your friends? Come on, now y'all don't see. You want to know what he's made of? Sick the word on him. You want to know what she got in her? Start talking about the word. If they get flustered, I don't know. They might not be the one. Okay, okay, okay. Mm. So, so, Lord Jesus, we ain't got none of this yet. I only got 20 minutes left. So a person, a person who is, who's extremely, uh, who, who has extreme stubbornness, they can't lay down their inner thoughts about how things should be going. How this should be happening. A person who has high stubbornness cannot lay down their inner thoughts. See, stubbornness is not about the face. It's not about the action, although it, it's exhibited by that many times. But not always, because some people, some people are extreme, extremely stubborn, and once that thing is starting to take a hold of people, they can smile and still be stubborn. So the question is what's going on in the mind? A person, watch this, control freaks are stubborn. Ooh. People who, who have to control every part of the relationship, control every part of No, you, what are you saying? You can't say that. Say it like this. Don't wear that. Wear this. Come over here. Sit down. I said don't do that. Don't sit there. Sit here. People who are like that are extremely stubborn. Because they can tell everybody else what to do. But then when you say, no, no, don't say that. Why can't I? It's a free world. <laughs> and although they might not be saying it, they're thinking it. Why should I listen to you? You're not worth me listening to. You're not even smart enough for me to listen to. See, and pride is mixed in there too. Oh, Lord. So, so God is looking for, watch this, the sincere heart. 
Say the sincere heart. heart. To submit to authority, especially the authority of his word. If God's word is involved in it, your heart posture has to change. If God's God's word is involved in any conversation you're having, any correction you're having, your your heart posture, the heart, the posture of your heart has to immediately change. If you can't change the posture of your heart, even when the word comes into play, you're extremely stubborn. So we left off on Sunday by saying that the only way, uh, only way out, of, out of stubbornness is to remain humble in the posture of your heart. We, we, uh, the, the scripture we gave, it said, um, humble yourself in the sight of God so that he can lift you up. Say God's going to lift us up. That, y'all remember we talked about that on Sunday? Yes. People who are, I don't have, we ain't got time to get on that. Um, I've watched people. Down through the years, I've been passing for 16 years. I've been preaching for like 32 years, 33 years, somewhere around there, 30, 30 something years. And um, I always watch the first response of people in ministry and in conversations as it pertains to stubbornness. The Lord told me the first year I started pastoring, watch how people, and I'm giving away the secrets now because some are going to be like, sure, but it's, we can, I, I, can, I have discernment of spirit so I can, I can tell. So... But the Lord told me, watch, watch people's initial reaction to being asked to do something. Watch this. Would you like to close out in prayer? Nope. <laughs> Would you like to help us put up some lights for our placation? Nuh-uh. I got something to do. Can you help us teach the young people? No. Can you help us direct traffic outside? Uh-uh. Can you help us out on this, on this new committee, we, the, the greet squad? We need help. We need somebody to help us with greeting. In the, nuh-uh, mm-mm. So, so what, what, I, what I start doing is I start, mocking, I start marking the ones who say no. Because if your answer to the work of God is no, then chances are your answer to God is no. Oh, Lord. Because watch this. How can you be a part of the bride? The church. With a no in your mouth. Baby, can you go get me some drink? No. Baby, um, I'm hungry. What are we eating? Nothing. Baby, you want to go for a ride? No. Baby, <laughs> come in. Uh-uh. Get your hand off me. Eventually, that man's going to leave. That woman's going to leave. Baby, I don't have no money. This weekend. You better figure out. You and Jesus better get together and find something out. That woman is going to turn, watch us, to another source. Yes. This is why people come to God, they come to church, they come, they love God, they, they love ministry, but watch us, they get around too many people who have no's in them. And people who have no's in them, according to the Bible, I'm going to show you the scripture, God, we already read a piece of it, God steps back from them. So when people come in and say, I just don't feel God, it's not that, that's not the ministry, it's the people they're around. Y'all quiet, okay. So watch this. Not only, do, not only should pastors mark the saints that say no, but the Bible says God marks them. The truth is that when people who consistently say no to God, no, no to the things of God, the Bible says there comes a day when their no becomes permanent. They're saying no right now because it's not convenient. But eventually they say no, and that no becomes a permanent no. 
This is when you see the making of what the Bible calls stiff-necked and hard-hearted people. And write down Isaiah 48 and 4. I hope you're getting something from this. Like, if I really had the time to teach this, y'all know I would stay on this for like six months, but I don't have time to do that. Oh, Isaiah 50, 48 and 4. Isaiah 48 and 4. Isaiah 48 and 4. Matter of fact, let me pull it up with y'all. So I can get a little deeper in this. Y'all really getting something out of this? Like, this is blessing us. Like, I, like this, is, this is like the best thing ever. Especially if you're going through it. Some, you know, let me, let me tell you something. Sometimes people be like, why well, I got to preach in that? Oh, they just hit me all over the place. No, no, that's the best thing for you. God is, God is, God is hitting an area. He's hitting an area because he want, he want, first of all, he wants you to realize it's an area. Think about this. You want to know how people are like, oh, you're just pushing my buttons. Well, if you let God knock the button off, there wouldn't be nothing to push. I always used to be like, like oh, they're pushing my buttons. One day my wife was like, why you got buttons? You're the man of God. Why you got buttons? Hitting my anger button. Why you got anger? Ooh. Why you got a button? Why don't you get deliverance? And when your wife says that, you know you can't be no punk. Like, I don't want deliverance. It don't sound right. You sound like a punk for saying that. I don't want to be delivered. She's like, no, no. If that's a if anger's a button, then why don't you get deliverance from anger? Why don't you why don't you tell that? Why don't you say no when uh, and why don't you get why don't you pray against it? Why don't you put the word on it? Why don't you get why don't you go get some prayer on that? It made me say, well, I got buttons. But then at the same time, I can't be comfortable with my buttons. All right. What did I say? 48 and 4? Watch this. He says, whew, God says, and I'm reading, my, my, my version may be just a little bit different. But he says, his, God says, I know that you are obstinate. Is that something like what your word says? Obstinate. That word there means you are, you are, you are like stiff-necked and stubborn. He said, I know you're obstinate, and your neck is, at, is an iron sinew, and your forehead is brass. You know what he's saying to them? I know you're stubborn. You're stubborn like iron. You're hard-headed. And like bronze, nothing gets through your thick skull. That's what he's saying to them. All right, go, go to Proverbs 29. Quick, I'm going to give you some word on this. Proverbs 29, cause, and we'll probably end with this. Proverbs 29 and, and 1. Just, just one verse, and I'm going to read it to you from like three different translations. And then we'll talk about it, and we'll go. All right? I'm going to anoint you, we'll go home. That sound good? Amen. Listen, listen to Proverbs 29 and 1. I'm first, the first version I'm going to read from is the New Living, New Life version, NLV, New Life version. It says, a man who does not listen after many strong words are spoken to him will be destroyed all at once and without help. Listen to this in the NASB, the New American Standard Bible. A man who hardens his neck after much reproof will suddenly be broken beyond remedy. Listen to this in the Message Bible. For, for people who hate discipline, just stop there. The reason why most people, most people are extremely, 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 and we can say that for like 40 hours. The reason why, 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 why people are, are, are like, are like uh, extremely stiff-necked, arrogant, they have no, no heart for God and they're stubborn is right here in our text because they hate discipline. 
Discipline is the thing that breaks stubbornness. Discipline breaks stubbornness. If you have no discipline, you're stubborn. So somebody comes to your house and says, you need to clean up. If that first thing that comes up in you is who you think you are, you you ain't even got a house. You want to know why your house is dirty? Because you're not disciplined. So when someone brings you the truth, it ain't got to be the truth of the word. It's just, it's dirty in here. You're getting offended. What? Is there paper on the floor? You have, un, you have used up coffee, coffee mugs over here. You got eggs that's still in the, in the plate over here that you finish eating halfway. Right? Candy in the rug. Right? And someone comes and says, it's dirty in here. If the first thing you do is go, who do you think you are? And you're automatically looking for a way to, to rebut them. The issue is that, that you are aggressively stubborn, watch this, and you have no discipline. Because a disciplined person wants to hear what's wrong. (laughs) A disciplined person wants to hear what's wrong because a disciplined person wants to bring order to something that is not right. Think about that. I'm open for discipline. I want to be, show me what's wrong because I don't want to walk around here thinking everything is cool. Invite you over my house and you leave here talking about me. Like, don't leave here talking about, that house was a mess. <laughs> don't leave here saying that. Tell me. Even if you think it's going to hurt my feelings. This is why the job of the pastor is to cry loud and spare not. See, the sparing is, is about your feelings. My job is not to worry about hurting your feelings through the word of God. And people think that's so harsh. You think Jesus cared when he, when he told the Pharisees, y'all a bunch of vipers. You think he was like, oh, I'm so sorry for talking to y'all like that. Jesus didn't do that. He was like, listen, y'all vipers, if y'all don't get together, y'all going to hell. Turn around, turn around walked away. Because they won't come and kill him. He had to walk away quick. Right? He had to tell, see, this is what we want. Tell me the truth, but don't hurt my feelings. Well, the truth is going to hurt your feelings because if you don't want to hear it, it's going to hurt you. So people who get offended by the word are people that don't want to be disciplined because the truth is when the truth comes, the truth is going to cut you. And if you don't want to be operated on and you think that, 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 this, that this big lump here ain't cancerous, the job of the great physician is to operate on you when he sees a cancer. Even if you don't believe it's cancerous because it's been growing for the last 40 years. Make sense? I've been all right. You can't put your arm down. I'm okay. So, so God has to teach you how to, how to live with your arm straight even after the cancer's cut off because this is how you've been living for the last 40 years. Your muscles have gotten used to living with a growth. And because it's natural to you, because it's natural to you, when God said, I got to cut this, what? what are you cutting for? Because what we don't want is the operation. We don't want the operation. We don't want, we don't want, we don't want to have to go through the physical therapy afterwards. <laughs> we, don't want, we, we don't want the physical therapy of living in the world but not being of the world. After he cuts away from us the growth of our past or who we were that we're still trying to draw strength from but it's dead. Because if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things 
have passed away, but they pass away. But sometimes when you keep it on you, it dies connected to you. So then you come to church and God says, change the message. Let's deal with this. Because you were stubborn in the world. But you had to be stubborn in the world. Because you had a stubborn master. You had, to, you had to be stubborn. Everybody who's around was stubborn. You couldn't be the easiest one. No, I ain't doing it either. You ain't getting my weed, no. See, y'all quiet. Y'all quiet. You understand what I'm saying? No, you were stubborn. But then when you came, when you, when you got to God, you got to God, God's like, no, 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 we got to cut this off. It worked before, but it's hindering you now. Say that. It worked before, but it's hindering me now. Say it again. It worked before, but it's hindering me now. All right. I just was trying to read this. I got seven minutes to finish this. Come on. So, so it says, the people who, verse 29, of 20, uh, uh, 29 and 1 of Proverbs, for people who hate discipline and only, uh, for people who hate discipline and, and only get more stubborn, there'll come a day when, when life tumbles in and they break. But, but by then, it'll be too late to help them. And then the good old King James Version says, he that being often reproved, say often reproved, hardeneth his neck. See, when you don't want to change and you constantly are getting taught and challenged and challenged and you don't want to change, the end result is more stubbornness. Because look at what it says. The person being reproved hardeneth, that means continually hardens, continually becomes more and more and more and more, hardens his neck, and they shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. So let's Let's talk about this. I, I was reading this, this uh, reading the commentary on this. Pastor Adrian uh, Rogers gives a, does a masterful job on talking about, talking about the, the three stages of Proverbs 29 and 1. The first stage is that God gives spiritual direction. Say spiritual direction. Spiritual direction. Now this is me. The, talk, the, the, the text talks about being often reproved. Say often reproved. God is, because he loves you, he's always sending you messages, messages of correction, message of correction. It may not even come through church and it's in sitting in this building, but God, God starts to process. It may be through your child, your baby, your niece, somebody, somebody, somebody on your block that'll say something and through that, God will start talking to you. Yes. He's always sending correction on the area that you have to change. Yeah. And, he, and through that correction, what he's doing is he's pushing you through correction back to him. Say this, correction, correction is God's way of getting me back to him. So, so watch this. When you don't take the correction, it pushes you farther away from him. That's what learned obedience is, learned obedience. And when you learn obedience, then what happens is you can get deliverance. All right? This is, this is how God does it most times. He whispers. Say he whispers. He urges, he urges, he calls, he calls then he corrects. Then he corrects. So that's how God starts. Hey, stop that. Change that. Then he urges, come on, please don't do this. Then he calls, hey, stop doing that. Then he comes and goes, pop. You're like, wait a minute, God, where did that come from? There was a whole bunch of things that, that led up to the pop. So this is where I deal with my children. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't pop them or, be, or give them, give them, give them a whipping for the first time they do something wrong. 
if they do something wrong, my job is to teach them that is wrong. My job is to embed it within them. This is wrong. Stop. Don't do this. So they don't, they don't get a whooping for something. It takes a long time in my house to get a whooping. So you come and say, hey, Blake just came and kicked me. I'll walk Blake back over to you and say, listen, we don't kick anybody. You hear me? I pick up his foot and squeeze his foot a little bit and say, look, I'm putting some pressure on that foot. Don't do that. You don't kick an adult. You don't kick anybody. Do you hear me? Yes. My tone changes. Right? He goes home and kicks somebody else. Pow. Bring him right over here. Listen, what did I tell you? Didn't I just tell you yesterday? We don't kick nobody. Pick that same foot up that I got, the left foot, squeeze it. We don't kick anybody. What did I say? You say it. We don't kick anybody. Apologize to your sister. Now sit here for a while. And I come back and before he gets up, we go through the lesson again. What did I tell you? Why are you sitting down? My tone is just like that. I, it's not time to be nice. It's not time for me to be his friend. He has to learn a lesson. Because if he kicks the wrong person, somebody might knock his head off. So, so all the stuff that, 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 that we think is cute could cost us something later on. So now that I'm dealing with him, I have to deal with him a little more stern. My voice has changed. My inflection, my, my, my eyebrows, and I'm telling him, don't do this. I'm disappointed in you. Don't do that. Okay? A week later, he kicks somebody else. Pop, right? Now I come to him. I take him by his arm. Now I, now I give him a little pressure on his arm. He's a boy. He can take it. Give him a little and then I pick up his foot and I give pressure to both. Squeeze a little bit, squeeze a little bit. What did I tell you about kicking? And if he can tell me what the lesson is, then the next time he does this, he's going to get a whipping. Because now he is doing something that he knows and he can call back to me is wrong. If he can tell me it's wrong, he knows he shouldn't do it. So training is, the Bible says, train up a child in the way it should go. Y'all see, that's not just natural, that's also spiritual. So when you come to church like this, we put pressure on stuff that shouldn't be. We can't dance over your bad attitude. We can't dance over your disobedience. Lord Jesus. We encourage you enough. But we can't encourage you through something that God says you shouldn't have. How is that good news? It'll save you from destruction. That's enough for me to dance over. That's enough for me to shout over. If I can learn to get, get the grip on this. So I tell him, this is wrong, don't do this. I say, what did I tell you about kicking people? He don't know the lesson enough yet. So I have to take him, sit him down again, sit here, and I'm going to teach him a lesson again. Then what I start doing is because I know this is something he is struggling with. When he doesn't kick, I still sit him down and teach him, reteach him the lesson over and over and over and over again because repetition is the thing that causes the mind to connect to it. So the next time someone comes and says, uh, your son Bryce, I said, did he, he kick somebody? Yes. Now I'm coming. What did I tell you about kicking? You said don't kick because it's not a good thing to do. Now you're going to get two pops. Because I t I've been telling you this for the last 30 days. Right? Pop, pop! He think the world ended up. Oh. <laughs> the world is over. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. Sit down. And then after that, I come back. And watch, see, look. I'm trying to teach you something. I come back and I reteach the lesson again. Amen. 
Do you know why you heaven is like this? I'm, I'm telling you. Do you know why you got a whooping? Why I kicked I kicked my sister. Why did you kick your sister? Cause she took my ball. That's not a reason to kick nobody. Now I'm gonna teach you part B to the lesson. If she takes your ball, if anybody takes it, does anything to you, your number one job is to come to me. Let me handle your discrepancy. But you don't have a right to kick anybody because something was done wrong to you. Ah, now my shit. And then I tell it, and then I say, do you understand why daddy had to pop pop you? Yeah, because you pop pop me and it hurt. I said, I know it hurt, but why did I have to pop pop you? Because I kicked somebody and I shouldn't have kicked them. And you know what I say? You've got the lesson. Come on, give me a hug. I pick him up, walk through the house with him. He's a champion now. Want to know why? Just because he did something wrong, I don't crucify him. He doesn't stay on the bad list for the next 20 days because I'm upset with what, what he did to somebody else. Even though the kick hurt his sister. We nurse the sister, but we deal with him. But after we've dealt with him, see, this is the way God deals with us. God don't keep, God don't keep you and, and, and slap you for the next 40 days for one thing wrong you did. Morning by morning, new mercies, you see. Come on. God don't keep killing you for something you did wrong. The moment he realizes that you have repented, see, repentance, ooh, Lord. Repentance is a thing. See, what I'm looking for in him is not the cry. Because this is where a lot of us have, have gotten wrong. The cry has been able to manipulate our natural earthly parents. But you're still stubborn in your heart to do what you want to do. The cry don't help if you ain't learned a lesson. I'm not looking for the cry even behind the pops and the whooping. I'm not looking for the cry. I'm looking for how does his heart feel about what he's done. Repentance is about changing the mind. Watch this. Then it's about purifying the member. Lord, help me. Changing the mind, purifying the member. If your tongue is the thing that keeps getting you in trouble and you saying you repent, you ain't really repent until at first thing you got to do is change your mind about what you've been doing. The second thing you got to do is ask God to purify. Purify the member. After the member gets purified, then, then, there's a, then the turning, just turning is not enough. If you turn but don't go nowhere. People say, I repented, but you're in the same place. That's why you keep doing the same thing. Because you turn away from it, but you don't go nowhere. So you stay right in the place of sin and the same thing keeps taunting you to turn around again. This is why people can't get deliverance. If the thing that gets you upset is anger, you got to deal with why you're angry. And to repent from, from this anger, you got to turn away from it, but you now have to set your viewpoint to go towards looking unto If you ain't going to him, you're going to stay in a place of constantly repenting. And then you're going to keep getting whippings. And then you're going to think God is so hard on you. When all you're doing in your whole walk with Christ for 40 years is this. You're like an usher. On the usher day, walking down, doing the, doing the extra walk down the aisle to come down for the usher's day. Old school. You're marking time in the spirit. You're not going nowhere because you're living your life by constantly repenting but never going anywhere. If you really want to go somewhere, if you're going to do something, 
repent and move forward. So repentance is about what? First, you remember the first thing I said? It's about changing the mind. So you know how you change your mind? By the washing of the water, the word. The washing of the, the word. What does the word say about what I've been doing? Put the word on it. Put the word. I, come on. The, the, this, the Bible said that this tongue is a small member, but it, it will change the course of the destiny of my life. Lord, I've been using this tongue to, 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 to cause my, the destiny of my life to go in the wrong direction. I repent for that today. This is, do that for a while. Get the word in you. So the next time you want to use that tongue and tear somebody down and gossip and talk and do something, the word will come up. Holy Spirit's job is to bring back to your remembrance what you put in you. So if you put the word in you, then guess what's gonna happen? Guess what's coming out of you when you want to do this again? Word. So guess what? So so the so, so that's the first thing is put the word. Second thing is repent is to deal with the member. Now I have to be constantly reminded that I love him enough. I love him so much. Y'all thought I was just talking in the beginning. I love him too much to keep messing up all the relationship that I built with him. So I deal with the member by turning and going towards him so he can purify me with this area of my life. I don't get purified staying in the place of sin. I don't get purified staying in the place where I know is a fight and struggle for me. I get purified when I turn, repent, uh, uh, get the word on this, deal with the member, and move towards him. Because the closer I get towards him is the more I get away from it. The place of my temptation. This is how you submit to God and resist the devil. You don't want to know why the devil flees from you? Because he don't like the presence of God. So when you submit to God, well, I just, you, you have to submit to God, resist the devil. Submitting to God is, is putting the word, his word on the situation, deal with the member, and go towards him. All that is submit to God. The closer you get to God, the more that the temptation doesn't bother you anymore because it's not about me trying not to sin. It's about me get being, him being pleased with me and the closer I get to him, the more I don't want that. Think about it. The closer I get to God, the more he strengthens me. The more he purifies me. I become holy because of that. That's what holiness is. Holiness ain't wearing a dress down to your toes. That's, that's man-made religion. That's rules of, of organizations. They ain't going to wear no hat in no church. That's disrespectful. Says who? Some of y'all like this. Don't go there. That's, that is, that's, 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 that's tradition. That's tradition. We grew up in a time when I grew up, you don't go nowhere and leave a hat on. But we're in a whole, we're in a whole, we, I, was, I, was on, I was talking to one of my brothers about that today, and he did a whole live on it, uh, 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 Pastor Chad in, in L.A., when we were growing up, to wear a hat in any, any place was disrespectful. But now, we're in a different culture. So our, our, we was wearing cross colors and all kind of neon shirts and backwards jeans in the church. And they looked at us and was like, Jesus. Because when they grew up, the, the rebellious thing for them to do is wear bell bottoms. It was a part of the culture. Oh, happy day that now we sing it now is all. That was a song of the devil back in the days. Because it had piano and the organ. Uh oh, now everybody's going to hell. And an electric piano. Oh, the blood of Jesus. And a drum. And a bass player and a guitar. Up until that point, they just danced and praised God with a piano only. And maybe a tambourine. 
it was a part of the culture. Y'all see what I'm saying? Part of the culture. And, and this is the thing we do. We make cultural differences God's difference. We make cultural differences God's difference. I'm, sitting, I'm here tonight in jeans and, and a t-shirt and a little jacket and I preach in a hat before. Guess what? But if we go to somebody else's church, I'm not going to be like, I'm stubborn. I ain't going to doubt this. God. The Bible says that when God gives you this liberty, don't use your liberty as an occasion to sin. So if I go into another person, another man's house, and he calls me to preach, I ain't wearing jeans and t-shirts and tennis shoes if that's not the order of their house. Because that becomes sin because it's disobedience for what they've called the standard of their house. We might have truth and liberality here, but they might not have it there. It don't mean that they're not that they're going to hell. It just means that they have a different set of rules. But when we come back here after that service, I'm putting the t-shirt back on. Y'all see what I'm saying? Stop, stop. Oh, look, we ain't got time. I'm, my time is up. I, I, I didn't get through none of this either. Stubbornness is that thing that causes you to be blatant against authority. Blatant against authority. So, so do you hear what I just said? If, if, if I'm preaching up at the uh, New Life Kojic or New Life, New Life Church of God or, or, or New Life, you know, apostolic and I come up in there like this but the standard for their house is suits and they called me and told me that the standard is suits and I go up in there, God gave me, the, he, I'm free from this. And I go in there like this, I'm stubborn. Do y'all understand what I'm saying? I'm stubborn. If I come up to your school and they say, why don't you come up and do a prayer for us? And I come up there and say, what's the dress code? Oh, well, we wear pants and, and just shirts and button-up shirts. And I come up in there with a, t- with a wife beater on and, and some jean shorts and some Timberlands talking about, yo, what's up? We're going to pray. And, and then they say to me, no, 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 sir, you can't pray. I can't be like, oh, look at the devil in them. They just know I'm anointed. This is what people do. They just see my anointing. They're afraid. I'm going to come in and go up and take care of their campus. This is what people do. You can't use the anointing for your stubbornness. You can't use, that. You can't use the, the, the anointing card. You know, people use the anointing card. I'm so anointed. They just couldn't handle me. No, you're out of order. You're out of order. That's the, the issue is you're out of order. And, and you, as anointed as you are, you're just as stubborn. All right, stay on your feet. We're gonna, I don't have time. Lord. Lord, I wish I could go through this another two, two, two services. Maybe I'll do a Friday night on this or something so we can continue to move. God, God is going to do something in the area of, of breaking, breaking our stubbornness to the point where when we, when we are when we become like-minded, when we become like-minded and understand that in all of us, look at your neighbor and say, I'm a little jacked up. And if you can't say that, you're stubborn and proud and arrogant and everything in between. Look over and tell somebody, come on, get some, say, say, say this, say, I'm a little jacked up, but God is helping me. Find one more person, say, I'm jacked up, but God is helping me. You want to know what's going to help us? You want to know what's going to help us to deal with people who come in who don't have the culture down? 
who don't pray in a thousand tongues, who don't understand the things of God. Two things, patience and prayer. Oh, say patience and prayer. Now, a couple of y'all, I just want to ring your necks. Because you could be much further ahead if you stop being so stubborn. If you just, I don't care, I just take the consequences and I'm saying, shut up. Because the consequence is about to come. You're about to get slammed on your back. You're gonna lose, you're gonna, your breath is going to be lost for a couple of weeks. But, but the, I said on Sunday, the Lord has whipped me recently. Literally whipped me. Literally whipped me. You want to know why? That's what he said to me. He said, you have spent too much time said this on Sunday, you spend too much time trying to convince people about what my word says instead of letting me deal with them. You know why I got the heart of a pastor? I don't want nobody to go through hardship. Remember Moses? You don't know Moses that he kept standing in between the children of Israel and God like, God, please, please listen to me. Don't kill him. You know, God was like, I'm going to kill him. That was God's first response. I'm so, you know, anybody read, read the Old Testament like Genesis, Exodus, Exodus? God, the first when they started, like, you should have left us in the wilderness they, they were slick with the mouth, they were real slick you should have left us in the wilderness we came out here for you to kill us God was like, I'm going to kill him for real Moses was like, please God please, look what he said what are the people going to think, what are other nations going to think about you, we're trying to win people to you, if you kill them and they're your people, what are they going to think about you God said, okay. Then they go a little further, and then they start going, why are we out here? We should have left us in the wilderness. You brought us out here for us to die? God said, I'm going to kill them. He was like, please, oh, Father. Oh, God, please. The pastor, the pastor never wants the people to experience any hardship. A real pastor doesn't want to see any people experience hardship. The pastor don't care, but like, let God deal with you. <laughs> let God slam you a couple of times. We'll see how you how, how this fares out. But a pastor that loves God's people don't want to see God's people go through it. You want to know why? Two reasons. Because our hearts are knit to you. Number two, if God keeps slamming you, it's going to mess up the continuity of what we're doing. If you're out of commission because God got you in, in spiritual ICU for, for next month, with tubes in your nose and, and you're going to listen to me now you're like, I'll listen. I'll listen you have my word outlet listen it messed up everything what if what if now think we don't because we don't look this deep what if somebody's coming to church because they see you every week not because they want to get with you and they like you but you you are you are a boost for them and then when you lose it for a season, they don't see you here, then they stop coming. Because you, you, you were the catalyst that was in a sense of encouragement for them. The Bible said, what, your, your life is like an open testament. Your life is like a living open Bible to people. Not just in the world. 
there are people in the church watching you. There are people in here watching you. There are other Christians watching you. When you have an issue with God, and you, I ain't going to my church, I don't care what they say, and you saying that around people who don't, who don't know God, but they were watching you and they were almost on the fence of coming in, their blood is on your hands. We don't look at it like that. We just look at it like, I'm going through a phase. When you come out of your phase, they're turned off. When you come out of all the junk that you were in, this is why I tell people, if you got a gripe with me, come to me. Yes. So the Bible says, if you got a gripe with, with Sister Bugs, go to Sister Bugs. Because if I come to Esther and my gripe with Sister Bugs, then guess what's going to happen? We're going to tear down who God's trying to make her to be. Yes. Yes. We're going we're to mess up her credibility in the kingdom and all of her, it, that's, that's, that's what gossip does. It tears down the influence of somebody that God's trying to use to bring up. And then, and then when God releases her to stand in front of the people because of what we did, everybody's going to look at her like, just sit your behind down. And God could very well be using her. But because I didn't take my grievance to her, well, I don't, she already, I, me and her already had some runners before. Well, go again. And if it don't work this time, that's why the Bible gives a remedy for everything. Go bring a senior leader with you. Come on, senior leader. Come bring a senior leader with you and have the same conversation. Now, she can judge. She's going to judge. So the bugs off. Bishop came to her and talked to her, but her spirit was way off. And then at that point, we're to bring it to the main leader. Then the, thank you. Thank you, sweetie. And the Bible says, if that person won't, won't take heed to all of that. The Bible said, mark them in front of everybody and rebuke them in front of everybody. See, this is why y'all don't like that stuff because it deals with all of the stuff inside of you that you, th that's not fair to you because you don't know the word. Y'all don't like me. It's okay. And if you feel two rhinoceroses banging heads in your stomach, you need deliverance. That's, what the, that's how the Bible says to deal with it. My job is not to go home and secretly pray that Sister Bugs fails. Oh, my job is not to, is not to be stink with sister bugs and I didn't follow what the Bible said because I'm out of line then, then this is what people do when they don't follow the Bible then everything for them falls apart they want they want God Satan the Lord rebuke you no you out of order because you were stubborn in your approach to how you handle something and if God is not going to bless anything except for what lines up with his word does that make sense Look over and tell your neighbor, I'm praying for you. Look over and tell somebody, I love you. If you can't say that, say, I love with the love of the Lord. I see somebody like this, look. I said, turn to tell your neighbor, I love you. Somebody like this. Got a little heart issue. We, we get it, we get it. We understand. I love with the love of the Lord. Don't be going to tell all, all the married men, look, I love you. Tell all the married men, I love you. You be having these wives up in here having private meetings every service. Listen, we're going we're to we're go past the first level. Just, Sister, Toy, I, Sister Toy, I need an extra person over here. I need somebody to, we're going to go straight to that one. Ain't going to be no private meetings. We got to start with the, with the one judging. Listen, stop telling my husband you love him. <laughs> if he's married, tell him you love him with the love of the Lord. She's married. Just say, praise the Lord. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
but seriously, this thing about stubbornness, man, I feel a bird, I feel a burden about this. There's a burden on me about this thing because this is what's gonna cause God's presence to fall on us in unusual ways, and this is what's gonna cause us to grow as a people. This is what's gonna cause this church to grow. It's gonna cause us now we're doing good, but we're gonna be doing great in a minute. We have to deal with this, the stuff inside of us that we just the outside looks okay, but the inside is like, ho oh, oh. We got to deal with some stuff. Now, how many of you agree that there's some stuff on the inside we have to deal with? And it don't mean, now, now let me tell you something. Don't, don't take this and go home and I can't sleep because I just feel so good. I feel like God's getting me. No, no. It just, means that, it just means that you have to recognize need for growth. Say, I have to grow here. This whole church has to grow in the area of stubbornness. You outgrow it. When I was a child, I acted as a child. The first time you see stubbornness is in a child. We've had to wait out stubbornness in all of our children. Get over here. I'll stand right here. You ain't, going, you ain't sitting down until you come over here. They cry. You cry all you want to. Come over here. No. Okay, stay right there. Don't you sit down. I'll stay. We, we, we've done it. We wait out. I'm going to sit, but you keep standing until you get over here. We've waited out two and three, four hours. I think Deja was probably the worst one. Bryce, maybe, yeah, Bryce. We've had to wait them out. Because you know what? You know what's happening in the waiting? They can't go play, can't do what they want to, and their will is being broken. The first time that we see this, this level of this, stubbornness is in childlike form. And if nobody ever waited you out and challenged your, your stubbornness, and then you got saved 25 years later? No authority can really deal with you correctly until you submit. Not God, not a pastor, not a minister, not, not, your, not your boss, not the cops. Anybody who deals with you, you will only comply if it means trouble for you. You won't comply out of obedience. There's a difference complying out of obedience and submission watch this I comply even when I don't like what they're saying I comply even when I don't understand what they're saying obedience is not obedience because you understand everything my children, I don't give explanation to all my children about nothing go clean your room I ain't got to tell them when there's company coming over clean up your room why because I said so go do it see y'all look at y'all you, if you're getting stiff, stubborn. Parents, do you always tell your children why they have to do what they have to do? And now let me ask you this. Do they get attitudes? Do they pout? Do they act the ways? But guess what? You don't change your position. And neither do I. I don't always give you an explanation. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. That's not follow me and I'll tell you what you're going to do. Follow. See, that, it, it, that's hard to do, especially if you're stubborn. I follow when you tell me where we're going. You ain't God. Because you want to know why I can't tell you most times? Because he ain't telling me. <laughs> tell the people give. Tell the people come and anoint them. I, I wasn't going to do that. Tell the people, tell the people that I'm gonna. Now, when I got here tonight, he told me the purpose behind the anointing, but he ain't tell me that on Sunday. See what I'm saying? 
come, we're going to anoint you, right? And everybody's like, why are we going to get anointed? What's the anointing for? Why are you going to put oil on us? Why you didn't you do this on Sunday? You could have did it while everybody was here. The issue is, can you just comply? Can you just be obedient? And this is, this is if, now I'm, I'm going to give you some scriptures to read to help you with your, with your, with your stubbornness. One, one good scripture. Find out where it is. Obey those that have rule over you. For they watch for your soul. If I'm saying that right now, you're getting tight. Woo, keep reading it. It'll bring deliverance to your soul. Obey them that have rule over you. For they watch for your soul and must give an account. This is, this is, this is, why, this is why the Bible says that, that, that senior leaders are worthy of honor and double honor. That word honor means financial benefits from the people. Because my job is one of the hardest jobs in the world. My job is to give an account for your soul, even if you're wayward. My job is to pull you back out of your waywardness through the word of God, through love, counseling, even commissioning other people to get you. Well, why didn't Bishop come and get me? Because God ain't telling me to come and get you. He told me to send her to come and get you. Because if I came and got everybody, I'd die. Even with 50 people. I can't come after everybody. I can't deal with everybody's issue. Can't marry everybody. Can't bury everybody. Can't do everything myself. Jethro told Moses, the thing you're doing is about to kill you. This is going to kill you. You need help. You need to put people in place to do it. You want to know why? Because it helps people grow. Even without a title, you grow. The way you get the title is by doing the work of. And this is why people mess themselves up. Because the way that God is going to use you is somebody has to be able to tell you, do this. And when you do that, we get to see your spirit. We get to see your attitude. We get to see your nature. We get to see what's in you. We get to see what's not in you. And then we can put in you what's not in you. Take stuff out of you that's there that don't belong there. And then we can say, this is where you need to be in the kingdom. Why preach when everybody hates you? Why, why would I put you up to preach in front of a church where everybody hates you? Y'all get the gist of that? That makes no sense. Why have you prophesying to people that ain't going to receive nothing you say because you're nasty? So what happens is we got to put you somewhere to work. Put you around people where you can rub shoulders with them. Where they can be like, Bishop, you know, I, I was with Brother Crump over there. He's very, 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 very unspiritual. And you know what I'm going to say? Don't send him to my office. Y'all talk to him. You work with him. Y'all all out there in, 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 the, in, the, in the vestibule area do, greeting everybody. If he's unspiritual, tell him what the word says. That's your job, to be your brother's keeper. Y'all, come on here. See, see that, that's, how, that's how the church grows. The church don't grow when the bishop and the overseer and the pastor deal with everything. But if we got to deal with it, your job is to honor those, Lord, help me. And the respect, why, why? Because the next person we send to you, you got to respect them too. But stubbornness keeps you from hearing anybody. The bishop, pastor, a sister, a missionary, a regular brother, Brother Neil. You just play the piano. Why are you telling me this? See, the issue is, see, the issue is you stubborn. You want to know why he's there? Because I sent him. Y'all like that. Y'all like that. And if you can't, now watch this. If you ain't going, if you want, listen, and I'm not saying this to be funny. But if, if, you, if you won't hear an usher, if you want to hear an usher telling you this row is off limits and you sit there anyway, if you want to hear them, then you ain't going to listen to nothing I got to say. If you won't respect, if you won't respect the parking attendant, you, you get what I'm saying? 
if you won't respect the children's church teacher, well, your son is hitting everybody. Well, he, well they must they must have needed to be hit then. If you can't respect what that teacher's telling you, do you possibly think sitting in the office with me for four hours is going to change anything? I'm not wasting my time with you. And this is people's gripes. Why these new people come in here and just, they, the God just elevate them? Because they listen. They have an obedient spirit. If you had a whole house full of children, and you said it's bedtime, and three, three out of the ten kids that over your house say, okay, and they go and lay down in the bed and put the covers on, and, and everybody next morning wants you to take them out to eat. Who the ones you take and eat? The three that listen. I'm, tell, I'm showing you all natural and spiritual. One, to prove a point. The rest of your hooligans need to listen to us. Now they, uh, they can't even wake up to eat. Then when they wake up, you'll be like, oh, we didn't eat breakfast and everything. Why didn't we wake us up? Because you went to bed an hour ago. Yes. Told y'all to go to bed at 10. Y'all didn't go to bed till 10 a.m. Now y'all upset because y'all missed something. And the other three got it. Now you're mad at the three. Don't be mad at the three. Learn from them. Yes. Okay. Lift your hands up. I'm done. Because I feel another preach coming up. And I'm not going to be. I've been doing good up until now. All right, come on, I got to get y'all out of here. We, you know, we, we should have been out of here. How many of you, now keep your hands where they are. How many of y'all really received something about stubbornness? Put them up higher. Okay, put them down. How many of you are going to do something about it? See, we're going to grow. And I'm not saying this to be funny, but the Lord really has had to sweep through this house. From the head all the way down. I got prophetic words was going to happen. I just think it was going to happen the way it happened. You never think when God says, I'm going to do something, it's going to happen the way it's going to happen. When God says, I'm going to bless your socks off. You'll be like, come on, money. Come on, riches. Come on, 12 months of financial freedom. Come on, cars and houses and, and land I didn't buy and purchase. And, and, you're right? You think that's why you're thinking, right? And then the first thing that comes is eviction. You're like, wait a minute. Mm -mm. Satan, I rebuke you. Eviction? No, no, that ain't, that's not on the agenda. God said riches, honor, and glory. Eviction? That's of the devil. No, no, no. God's cleaning stuff out. He getting everything ready, but that's why his way is not your way. So when God's, I'm about to bless you, just, just bunker down. Just get ready for the storm. <laughs> get an Elvis boat. Because I'll tell you that, because that wind is coming. But if you can, if you can, if, now this is the thing, if you can take the, the, if you can make it through the storm, after the storm is over, you'll see the promise. We've weathered a storm. Ha! Now we're about to see the promise. Corporately, we've weathered the storm. Personally, we've weathered storms. Now, somebody say, now comes the promise. And I'm glad God did it from the beginning of the year to now because I want the, I want summer to be the when it gets hot, I want to travel. Let me go to Jamaica in June. You, you see what I'm saying? God, the way God does things, and this is what Overseer and I laugh about all the time, and I promise I'm gonna anoint y'all. She got my oil ready. I'm gonna anoint y'all as you come and give you offering tonight. This is the way God does things. He all and this and this makes no sense. I don't know why he does this, but some of y'all will attest to this. God, God does the hard stuff first. He always, like when God said, I'm going to, I'm going to take care of everything that concerns you and everything starts falling apart. You're going through the, you're going through the best of it then. Because it's in the hardest part that God is dealing with all of the chaos.
chaos, all of the stuff, all of the things. And this is why he says, don't be weary. Hold on. Be steadfast and unmovable, always abounding. While the storm is going, keep working. When the storm comes, keep working. When the storm hits, keep praising. When the storm hits, keep worshiping. Because when the storm is finished, he said, everything that concerns you, he gonna, he's going to complete you. He's going to perfect you. He's going to make you whole. He's going to make you entire. And you will want for nothing. But it's only, it's only after you have suffered a while. He takes care of the hard stuff first. Suffer first. And I'm gonna, then I'm going to perfect you, establish you, make you whole. You'll want for nothing. We want to we wanna be perfected, whole, want for nothing, and then go through the storm because at least I'll be better prepared for this. If I got 20000 in the bank, take my house. i buy another one. But when it's like that, you don't trust him. You only trust him when it don't look like nothing's going to come and God sends everything. God, how am I going to make it out of this? And God said, I'm blessing you tomorrow. You just don't know it yet. After the rain, the sun will shine. Lift your hands. Father, thank you for this word. We magnify you. Huh? I feel the glory. Thank you for this. Thank you for these people. These are your people. Lord, I lift your people up before you tonight. We magnify you. We praise you. We give you glory. Lord, we thank you that you're lifting the spirit of fatigue off of your people. We thank you, Lord, that you're dealing with everything inside of us that's not like you. We thank you tonight, God, that you are, you are, you are causing us to come into a new place in you, a place of agreement with your word. You're causing us to move out of this place of stubbornness. And we thank you as a people that you're getting, getting the stuff out of us that you need out of us now because we're about to step our feet into new seasons, new depth in you, new places of anointing in you. And we give you praise now for what shall be. Because God, everything you promise in, in you, the word of the Bible says is yes and amen. And we thank you that it's already a done deal. We give you praise that it's a done deal. We, we hold to your hand tonight. We thank you that the worst is over. We magnify you tonight. We give you glory for it. In the name of the Lord Jesus, and I lift your hands up. I want you for just the next 30 seconds to just break out and worship and open your mouth and just thank God for what he's taking you through. Come on, thank him for what he's brought you through. Come on, the stuff that the devil told you you were going to die in. The stuff the devil told you you weren't going to be able to make it out of. I want you to bless God because he lets you live through it. And because you live through it, you're going into a new place. Hallelujah. Hey, Glory to God. Come on, you're living through it. You're living through it. Come on, you're living through it. Come on, you thought you were going to die in this. But you're living through this. Come on, you're, this is a testimony now. Come on, God's completing this thing. He's perfecting everything inside of you. He's perfecting everything inside of you. Come on, he's perfecting everything that concerns you. Yeah, he's moving you into perfection. He's moving you into wholeness. He's moving you into completion. It is your time and season. Yes, God, we thank you for it tonight. We give you praise and honor and glory for it. Now clap your hands and give God the best praise you got. Hallelujah. Woo. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Woo. Quickly get a seat in your hand. Let's do this. Get an offering in your hand. We're going to bless God tonight. And oh, my sheet in the Bahia. Hey, 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 hey. Hey, 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 hey. I know it's luxury for a long time for some of you.
but the storm is passing over. Hallelujah! So the storm is passing over. Hey, even tonight, your strength is coming back. Your vigor is coming back. Somebody declare, somebody declare the storm is passing over. Come on, declare the storm is passing over. Come on, declare it. The storm, say, my storm is passing over. Come on, declare it. Our storm is passing over. Get ready to see what God promised you. Whew. I said, get ready to see what God promised you come to pass. You've already lived the first part of your prophecy out. You've already lived out the first part of your prophecy. Get ready to see the other side of it now. You've lived out the side of it that God had to refine you and, and take stuff out of you and make you better and cut stuff off of you. But God said, get ready to see the other side of your prophecy. Some of y'all been holding on to prophetic words for years, but God said, get ready to see it happen.